Welcome back to True Crime Broads. We're so excited to have you here. And today we have a guest and Renee actually met this lady online, which yeah. is great. We're kind of branching out in the way we network with people. Yeah. So this is Miriam McCullough. Go ahead and tell us about yourself. Thank you for coming. Yeah, I know it often sounds a little spooky. We met this lady online and now we brought her on. Right? <laughs> Hi guys, my name is Marianne McCalla. I am the host of The Social Detective. I oh. am a retired 20-year criminologist nice. and I'm actually a cadaver dog handler as well. So yeah, awesome. I'm so glad to be here. So yeah, thanks exciting. for inviting me. Yeah. Man, this is great. We're so happy you're here. And Marianne, you know, I know you've probably worked tons of cases in your long career. And what do you what are your initial thoughts on the Missy Beavers case? It's it's kind of weird, isn't it? It really is. And let me set you, you guys up with my background when it comes to because this case, I don't know how the police are classifying it at this point. I, I I try to look at things definitely. Um, if you listen to my podcast, I look at things more from a law enforcement perspective. And looking at this case, and for those of you who may not be aware, I started my podcast because my good friend, my childhood friend was murdered. And I started that podcast because she was murdered 34 years ago. And we weren't getting answers. Nothing was happening. Nobody was doing anything. And I got so frustrated with it that I started a podcast and really did what you guys are doing. You bring attention to it. You look over the minutiae and the details. And I started that podcast two years ago. And a few months ago, we found the answers in her case. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So, yeah, absolutely incredible. 34 years. Wow. And, you know, just a few months ago, we found out who killed my friend and sexually assaulted her. Wow. How did and, that happen? Was it a tip from the public? It it was actually, there. this case is so crazy and so deep. It was the fact that and this is something I want to get into with this case and one of the things I want to say is a lot of times it looks like law enforcement isn't doing anything and it may have that outward appearance throughout the years but you will be surprised at some of the things that law enforcement may actually be doing. But there is something within the surveillance and everything with Missy Beaver's case that I'd like to get into. But with Krista's case, what happened was with her case, my there it, it's such a long thing, but I had a family member who also was involved. And when he ended up, he wasn't actually involved in what happened to her, but he ends up getting arrested for an absolutely horrific crime. And he's doing multiple life sentences in Oklahoma, but he contacts the DA and starts making insinuations that number one, he's her fiance, which was a lie. And he starts saying he's the only one with the answers on this case and that 
he if they work a deal for him he will give them who killed my friend krista martin and by doing that they reopen some things they rerun some dna and they get that dna into the hands of author Inc. and it's a long process but by doing that and doing family genealogy they're able to find who the actual killer was so it's it's just That's a amazing. whole crazy 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 there's so many layers to this story and so many things we had to go through but yeah it, it, it's a crazy story and i if if you get a chance pop over it's years of just being Absolutely. told so many lies by my own family members because we lived right next door to her and she was my childhood friend i loved her deeply and we can chronicle you chronicled all this on your podcast so we can follow this story on there okay please remember yeah it it, it it's absolutely, but it, it made me think of Missy's case because there were times that I became so frustrated that I, I just, I felt like, oh my gosh, you guys are not doing anything. I mean, I got into several outcries with our local police department, even with my background, I got into out and out kicking matches with these guys and Lo and behold, the FBI was even in on it, and I had no idea oh, that wow. they were seeing my brother. They were doing these things, and stuff was happening. And so it, it's absolutely crazy. Wow. But now, how did the FBI get involved? Because my under my limited understanding is that they have certain jurisdictions. so how how did they get involved in your friend's case? Uh, it, it's it's because what had happened is as they were doing the forensic genealogy, one of the things that popped up, and it's so interesting because the one of the possible persons it could have been linked to, well, the person who ended up committing the crime, he left town shortly after he committed the crime. And he actually didn't even know Krista. He was just this random person. Krista, he just came across her and got into her home and assaulted and killed her. And then he left town. And so the FBI, because he left town and then he went to one state and then he went to another state. And so the FBI got involved yeah. in trying to track the DNA and this person down. So okay. it took multiple years to go through all of that and to utilize the type of DNA and waiting for the ability and the technology technology to catch up in order to do that. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it, it was mind-blowing. Yeah, um, I can't even believe how how relieved and you must have felt to finally have this case solved no kidding yeah, yeah tell yeah, us so about, I, tell us about your friend oh my gosh she was absolutely incredible she was beautiful but we were both so quiet at school we were i was definitely i came from a really abusive home uh, we we lived in small town in Hayesville, Kansas, 
And my home um, was just not the typical type of home. Uh, both my parents were deaf. And my my mom had some mental issues and I was extremely underweight. And Krista, being the next door neighbor, knew that, and my family got into a lot of legal trouble, which I think kind of, we knew my brother, my brother um, was incarcerated for serious pedophilia crimes. And um, we we knew that there was something seriously wrong in my household. And Krista knew that there was stuff really bad going on in our house. And she was always there for me. And she was a year older than me. And she just always, you know, everybody kind of picked on me. I was bullied a lot at school. But she always made me feel like I was normal, even though I knew I wasn't, even though I knew what was going on in my house and everything was not. Um, she always made me feel like everything was okay. Were you little kids Pardon? at this point? Was this high school or were you younger children at this point? Um, well, we were together since I was little kids. But yeah, now throughout my entire life, Krista was there. Always. Oh, um, I still remember though when um, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street came out. She took me to go. We were teenagers at that point, and she took me to go see the movie. And then we played hide and seek at the local elementary school, and she scared the tar out of me. So we loved horror movies. And um, <laughs> one of the biggest defining moments in my life was. I, I was so tired of just kind of being picked on and feeling like the odd person out. And, you know, I knew Krista smoked a little weed and did that kind of thing. And we were at a party and a lot of the kids were smoking weed. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I'm tired of feeling like the nerd and being picked on. And so I was like, okay, I want to learn how to do this. I want to do it. And so I told Krista, I was like, can you teach me how to smoke weed because I, I want to be like all the other kids. And she got so angry at me. And she goes, I don't you dare ever do drugs. You are too smart to do something so stupid. If uh -huh. I ever find out that you ever do any drugs, I will tell your entire family. And she was wow. really close to all of my brothers. Yeah. And yeah, so she was like, you are too smart for this. Don't you ever do this in your life, ever. That's awesome. And I never, ever did. I mean, I was like, nope. And then after she lost her life, it was like, I don't know. That just was, I, I took a totally different path in my life. And just, you know, it became like my mission to want to protect those who can't protect themselves. That's exactly and, it. Yeah. Then she took you under her wing and she was like an older sister figure kind of to you. That is yeah. so sweet. And that is just yeah, so she, amazing that you came back and helped her in her time of need mm -hmm. to find yeah, her kill. She was, they, it's nice I mean, she understands it because we get that question. We've had that question a few times, like, you know, we're not related to Missy and, you know, we, and I knew her, you know, we, we were, uh, we worked together and so a lot of people don't understand, but we are, you know, obviously interested in it. She can't, you know, do this herself. She's no longer here. So we're kind of being her voice and, and keeping her case alive. And so it's nice to hear 
you you did the same thing. That's awesome. Yeah, we just love that. We love the activism and we love that you had a positive result because there's a lot of times where Renee and I just are starting to really lose hope. Yeah. Um, we're running in circles. We're interviewing the same people over and over. We don't know what the police are doing, but we agree with you. And I'm so glad you brought up that point. Midlothian police and no telling who else is helping them. They probably are working hard in this case, but they do catch a lot of flack because they don't give the public updates. And this was a pretty high profile case. I don't know about your friend's case, but this one, I mean, as but this one's bizarre enough that it was on international news at the time it happened because, yeah. you know, someone lurking around a church dressed up in that gear, that's, that's unusual. And then to be murdered when you walk into a church to set up for a, a camp gladiator class, you know, the whole thing was so bizarre. The thing I think that the public is the most upset about, at least the local public, is that they're not, the police are not giving any updates at all. What has been your experience with that? I mean, they're not even saying, hey, listen, everybody, you're safe. Don't worry. We've got our eye on someone. Obviously, we can't really, we can't give any details on the suspect. I mean, they haven't even said anything vague in years. What, what do you think's going on with that? Right. And that's actually something because I, I, I was one of those who, when that case happened, when the case with Missy and that was one of the things that also led to me is seeing how passionate you guys are with this case. That was going to be one of my questions is how are you guys related to the case? Because you feel your passion about wanting to see answers, wanting to see something happen with this case. And it's so incredible to see that, to know that you don't have to be family who want justice served. And that's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's, it's but, a small, Midlothian's a small town that Renee and I lived very close to. But at the same time, you know, Missy was our age. Her children are the exact same age as mine. And just seeing someone walk into a familiar area on the news and knowing that she walked into that building that we've all passed countless times and she got murdered by someone in a weird outfit, you know, at the, before dawn, it's just, we just couldn't let it go. And then of course my co-host Renee, as she said earlier, she worked with Missy. So she had a personal yeah. relationship with that I wow. didn't, have. I just identified with her, you know, kids, the same age, same area that I grew up in, but for Renee, it's much more personal. So she almost like you. So. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I always, and this is something that I always preach to people, especially when it's a high profile, high profile case, when it comes to law enforcement, just because you are not getting updates and, and Krista's case was anything but a hope high profile case. And that's one of the things that made me so frustrated. Right. But when it comes to a high profile case, police get one shot. And if there is a lot of attention in the press, anything they say, anything they do, a defense attorney, once it goes to trial, anything that is released can be turned and twisted in court. So they have to be so careful on what they release and what they say. Because any of those types of things can be changed, twisted, and used by defense attorneys. And so police are walking a very thin line of what they're 
They want to talk to the public. They are trying to release things out there, but they have to be so careful. And especially in this new community of everybody is doing true crime. There's a true crime podcast around every corner. There are blogs everywhere who take anything police say and run with it and turn it into something. Police are very concerned about what they release because they're worried about where or how it might be taken. So police are guarding what they say in a totally different way now. Yeah, that makes sense. And we sincerely hope that we are being cognizant of that. I can't say that we are because neither one of us has law enforcement background, but we try to be aware. We have seen we have seen documents that are public record, but the general public hasn't seen them. And there's things in there we know the police wouldn't want out. So we have kept our mouths shut. And yeah. but there's also... Um, Lots and lots of public records are being passed around, as you can imagine, after almost eight years. It'll be eight years in April. Yeah. Um, things are out. Um, I'm sure that the police aren't happy about. But as far as our podcast goes, we really try not to be the ones to contribute to that because right. the last thing we want to do is mess up the investigation or make them have a difficult time in court. So I'm really happy that we're talking to you and I hope we can keep this relationship going because we may want to run some stuff by you in the future. Yeah. Because we really don't want to mess up the investigation. That's not where we're coming from Yeah. at all. Obviously we want justice for Missy and if we've done anything to uh, make that a problem, um, whoops, we need to be aware of that and not do it anymore. And but yeah, that's, I think that's the fine line that we're walking because we aren't knowledgeable enough to know those things. And we're so thankful that you're on here today to kind of help consult us on that, because I don't know about you, Renee, but sometimes I just worry, like, are we helping or hindering or is it neutral? You know, What yeah. are we doing here? But, you know, we have people come to us that say, Hey, we really want to tell our story. And we've already contacted the police several times. So then at that point, we just kind of started to loosen up and we thought, okay, well, maybe it's okay now to talk to certain people. Well, and I, I don't know if you've ever followed my social media. I, I've been kind of known as the ethical pit bull. <laughs> and I have listened my way through your podcast and I will be the first one to tell you if I've heard something I don't agree with. And I, I have listened and where you have had your theories out there, but I have not heard anything that I've want, gone and went, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Oh, no, no, don't do that. No, thank um, you. good to hear. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I have not come across something where I went, oh, no, don't do that. Um, there is something the Midlothian police and you being in the area, I have a question. Um, with my experience, I don't know if they utilized and I don't know if this was on scene the day of the murder. Did they utilize canines at all? Only here's my understanding. Renee, correct me if I'm remembering this wrong, but they had the, um, ATF bring a dog after the murder. It was the two days after the murder. It was Wednesday. They had this dog come and sniff. They were, our understanding is they were looking for shell casings, um, that kind of stuff. And they had them walk the premises at the church. That's the only canine work that I'm aware of. Right. That's, that's what I remember too. Okay. 
I'm going to put a caveat out there for all of your listeners. Can I do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We do it all the time. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me tell you people. Have you heard of the Connie debate case? Is that her name from Connecticut? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, she was the one, the Fitbit murder. Oh, okay. I have heard of that. Okay. I didn't recognize the name, but yeah. All right. Uh, Big Mad True Crime covered it here recently. Heather Ashley, love. Um, and yes, it, it's it's one of the ones I hold because some people, I, and I love Jordan Detections, does a great job doing the training. And he is now training dogs. He is one of the trainers who trained the dogs that can now um, sniff out uh pornography materials on uh drives so we worked with him a lot um but that's not what this is about but i i I recommend law enforcement if anybody who is in contact with law enforcement anybody who works with law enforcement is out there yes i start on my podcast with i'm marianne i'm dog mom baker true crime podcast maker Dogs are your best bet when it comes to anything within law enforcement. And I will use the Fitbit murder case as an example. In that case, they brought canines to the scene. I mainly work with cadaver dogs, but canines can also be used for, in this case, they had brought canines out to the scene um, the husband was there. He said an intruder had come in, shot his wife. He wrestled with him and the guy got away. The canine had, they brought the canine to sniff through the house to try to find the guy who shot her. The canine sniffed around the house and would do nothing but follow the husband. Mm. He followed the husband multiple times they tried to reassert the canine and the canine would continue to return until the point that the canine would follow him all the way into the ambulance i believe if they would have had a canine on scene canines can retain the smell up to days afterwards on that scene a canine could have even have done a smell lineup Wow. That's awesome. So it really frustrates me when, especially in a smaller town, I know it, it. Why are we not using canines as a resource more? That is a good that question. That just sounds amazing what mm-hmm. they can do. I had never thought of it. And I think of cadaver dogs as looking for dead bodies. Mm-hmm. I think of like what they yeah. had the ATF do, look for shell casings. It never crossed my mind that they could say, hey, man, this it, it makes they could figure out if somebody was there or not. Yeah. And here's yeah. something. I, I have a specific question about that. This was a church and this happened in the wee, wee hours of Monday morning, like 430 in the morning. And it was raining. And it was raining. But my point, my question is more about humans being in that church. They had church the day before this murder. Uh-huh. 
there were lots of people milling around that building probably told 12, one o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. And then that night going into Monday morning is when Missy was killed. Would the dogs be able to differentiate between somebody wandering around the church that was attending the service earlier in the day versus someone that came in the middle of the night to kill Missy? Would they be able to make that distinction? What they're going to look for are the pheromones that the person had differentiating onto Missy. Okay. Because what they're going to have is that person that had the sense between Missy and themselves. Those scents are going to commingle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And those scents are going to be left behind. So yeah. you're going to have, and that's the thing is when a dog smells, when a dog smells anything, it doesn't smell it all together. Every single scent is individualized so that's why i try to warn people if you're going to feed a dog don't have don't light a candle don't spray perfume you're going to so whack this dog out (laughs) um but yeah so if a person this person attacked missy and yes so we have that church that church had been full of people but when that person attacked missy they had a heightened pheromone pheromone response. They got, yeah, they had a higher energy level. They had sweat glands release. Uh, You're going to smell differently during an attack than you smelt when you went to church. Interesting. Wow. That's what the dog's going to look for. Okay. Now, kind of like when therapy dogs are trained um, before a person becomes sick or cancer or COVID, a dog is trained specifically for those odors. Mm, okay. Missy's and, killer, Missy's killer yeah. being covered from head to toe with that. It seems like they knew kind of had some knowledge of how to cover up and not leave too much behind of their own DNA with that interfere greatly the fact that they had that stuff they had a helmet on and looks like they had their face wrapped a little bit and you know all kinds of padded kind of tactical stuff on i have two thoughts on that um okay okay because i i my phds are in forensic anthropology and forensic psychology um so if I differentiate those two worlds. I almost feel like that video is a red herring. I almost, the lackadaisical way that that person appears in that video, I almost feel like that's somebody acting. That's somebody putting on a show because they know there's a video. They know that's going on. That's not the person who killed Missy is one of the theories and the feelings I have. Interesting. interesting. <laughs> so I, it, it just seemed so, it just didn't feel like somebody preparing to commit a crime. To me, it seemed like an act. Now that what you just said, it doesn't look like someone 
about to kill someone. That has been the argument that some of our listeners have that they think that this was random and they think that Missy was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that person was just there to mess around in the church. And it was just this bizarre coincidence that she was walking in to set up her exercise class and happened upon this person, startled them, they killed her and left. What are your thoughts on that theory? Um, I don't agree with that either. Um, I agree with Cheryl McCollum. Um, you don't randomly go to a church and swat gear to raise havoc. Um, that's just not something you're going to go do. If it you look at intent and that doesn't make sense. It it doesn't two plus two should always equal four. And in that theory, no matter how many ways I've tried that, and I've watched this video so many times, and and I've looked at it from every perspective, and that it 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 doesn't gel with me. Every time I look at this, it doesn't look to me as somebody who's going to commit a crime. And it doesn't look to me as somebody doing something random. It looks to me as somebody putting on a show. It looks to me, um, okay, there is this book uh, series I absolutely love. It's called Tales from the Gas Station. And um, it's there's one part of it where this guy... Um, there's these two guys that are like bounty hunters. And one guy is completely forgettable. Okay. He looks like every other guy. He sounds like every other guy. So he he's just, he's completely forgettable. You would not realize he's even standing there. He's just like every other guy. But his partner has like a mohawk. And wears like a Sherlock Holmes pipe for a necklace and is just so outlandish. He's very distracting. That's how I think of with this video. That's the distractor. This was well planned. That's how I feel. Very interesting. You know, law enforcement early on, they haven't updated us in forever, but they always said that there was one perpetrator seen on camera and that's presumed to be the person who killed Missy. Do you think that that was just their initial thoughts or would that be something that they would want to keep from the public or, or what are your thoughts on that? Okay. I was reading something else that some people have put out. That's, that's kind of makes me giggle. And all law enforcement officers out there, I I am not giving away secrets. Everybody knows this, so come on. Law enforcement lies. We are, law enforcement is allowed to lie. They are allowed to lie in order to mislead certain facts away from certain areas to safeguard a case so i always tell people whatever law enforcement might put out to the press always take with a grain of salt 
So I always try to look between the lines of what they say. So can you repeat what they released again? Well, just basically early on, they just had said that there was a person dressed in tactical gear. I think it was even at the very first press conference. They said it is presumed to be the person who murdered Missy. Okay. And they never because, said there's someone else there. There was someone. They have alluded to person or persons of interest. So they haven't completely eliminated it if you listen to the way they word things. But they have always said they thought the person on camera killed Missy. But I will say this. They started out in the beginning saying that it was a, that kind of alluding to it was a man. And they backed off tall, on that. Yeah. And then they backed off on that. And then they started saying five, two to five, seven, plus or minus five eighths of an inch because of the shoes and the helmet. So then you're kind of thinking, okay, more than likely falls towards a woman. So, and that's kind of what I think. I see man features and female features. So I think there's two, but that's just me, but. Interesting, yeah. Right. So, and what what got me is, I think when I was reading one of them, it was kind of saying, um, especially the podiatrist um, interview. Um, it was talking, uh, the forensic podiatrist, and it was talking about how this was all they have. They don't have any additional video and that they thought the person who was dressed, how I read it was the person who was dressed was involved. Mm. And I went, okay, there you go. Yeah. Involved. Mm-hmm. And so I went, I get this feeling that we've got some other players in this. I, I just, I don't know. And it, it's kind of like my friend's murder. I mean, I seriously had thought my brother, because my brother, trust me, if if you go back into that and you hear why he's in prison and all of this stuff. And Krista, before she was murdered, days before she was murdered, Police were called because there was a violent situation because two men had attacked her. And I we all were just like, those men had something to do with her murder. That's it. This is it. This is all this. I mean, I had spent 34 years of my life with this case. And it turned out to be a random man who lived six doors down who just happened to run into her, she was coming home and got into her apartment and raped and killed her. That's amazing. So, that's like that's something you would see on forensic files. You know, they take you through it and you think it's obviously this situation. Person, yeah. yeah, it's this person. It makes perfect sense. Like what you were saying. And then come to find out it's someone that lived four days, four doors down that no one suspected. Oh yeah. I mean, I've got stats and stacks of letters and all these possible suspects of just these people of this other situation of these threats and this and that. And so it was just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then to find out it was just some random guy. And not only that, the thing that just really got me about that case was he died shortly after killing her. In a car oh accident. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's so weird. So, did you, did yeah. You so it's, yeah, he had um, returned to Arkansas. Well, actually, he returned to Arkansas, got married, had some kids, and then got to a car accident. 
Um, did he have a? I, I, I am still searching. I want to know if he hurt anybody else before he died, but right, I'm not done with this guy yet. So, did he have a violent past before he attacked your friend? Uh, that's something I've been, I mean, because I mean, we've literally, um, the forensic genealogy, uh, to get Authorum Inc. involved was you know, really difficult as it was. I mean, because you got to get the funding. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is, I mean, to get the amount of money it takes to get Authorum involved and the fundraising and everything you have to go through um, to do that. And then you get that done and then you've got to get some family member to consent if they're not already in jet match. Um, but so then you get that and then you have to go through and it takes so long to see if it clicks on any other cases across the United States, because he ended up in Maryland. He was in Amarillo. He was, I mean, he went to several. And so it was 10 years after he did that. And then he dies in a car accident. So yeah, I mean, the FBI's involved and it, it's, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy so, so crazy, he, crazy he didn't thing. have like a long rap sheet of violence that made everyone go, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, not prior to wow. anything that I have been able, but I will tell you, my local police department and I don't get along because I was not employed here. Let's put it that way, because and they don't like me much here. So <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> um. Yeah, you guys probably understand that feeling because yes, I'm very vocal and yeah, we um, don't we don't think we're super popular with Midlands no, please. We don't yeah. think our headshots but are probably not on their walls. It's just the thing about being the case being so quiet. You know, it's like yeah. I feel like, and I and I'm not trying to toot our horn by any means, but I feel like if we had not started this podcast, you would not ever hear about this case ever. And and exactly. Yes. The public and, and really died down over the last several years, and it's mm -hmm. sad to us. And we want to see the media back involved. I mean, this was on Inside Edition. This was on all these national shows. We saw, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on her name. Oh, Gail King was Gail covering King. Uh, this. I mean, yeah. high-profile people. Um, people were contacting us from Australia and England and saying, hey, we saw this on the news. We're just hoping for an update. So this was huge, and people were engaged. Oh, Nancy Grace covered it a couple times. And then, bam, it just, I think just sort of the lack of information just kind of made people move on to other cases. You know, they're in the media. And and that's what happens is, and it shouldn't be that way. People should not lose interest. This is still a victim who deserves answers. Right. And what you guys are doing is so honorable to me. And, you know, the only other thing I could recommend that I've seen from a law enforcement perspective is creating a consistent hashtags and recommending that your followers utilize those. Because then what you can do is just go on social media and click that hashtag and you can see if anyone and everyone who uses it and then you can cohesively follow and funnel that through because then what law enforcement, if you can ever get them on board, can do is they can actually utilize that and um, track 
the IP addresses of anyone who might else search for that? That is great so, advice. That's great. Thank you yeah. for that. So like if somebody might have had something to do with the case, they would want to check that. So that's one of the things that they do. Um, so I always recommend people find and create specific hashtags for certain cases. Um, and that is a really great way to, number one, that becomes that case's calling card. And I mean, even though Facebook is not a hashtag or threads is not a hashtag, do the hashtags on them anyways, because law enforcement can utilize those hashtags on doing searches about the victims. That's great. Yeah. So always a big recommendation. Uh, we love that. That's going to be something we definitely get into. We, I mean, we've had one for a while. We've used Justice for Missy. So I guess we could. I've know, seen you- that, which is, yes, I, I love that. And then I always say in your local communities, um, if you are ever looking for something to fund, if you're ever looking for something to do, also encourage your local law enforcement to utilize canines. I have, uh, we have broken so many cases I, I've started. Um, and, and like I said, I am so excited about the canines now. And um, like the subway guy, Jared, whatever. Um, and the Olympic guy, it was uh, the dogs over here that we've worked with on Jordan detection from over here in Indiana um, that was broken because of these dogs that are able to now search for porn, uh, child pornography. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we bring our dogs in and our dogs are really finding stuff lately and they're finding more than just dead bodies. I mean, our dogs are making huge breakthroughs. Are they, di- are they the different ones than the ones they use for like schools to find drugs and kids' lockers or purses yes. or whatever? Is it different or the yeah. same? Yeah. No, they're different. No, oh, okay. these dogs are totally, we have dogs that are now coming out of here. And if you have a chance, you can go to Jordan Detection Canines. These canines are now being specifically trained um, for specific smells, for like taking uh dogs to a crime scene where a murder has occurred to specifically look for heightened pheromones that might be on a suspect so and the thing is is regular search canines can do that as long as they've been certified correctly would pheromones come through if somebody was covered up the way Missy's killer was, assuming that that killer was also dressed the way the person on camera is, or if maybe the person on camera did the killing, would an outfit like that interfere with those smells getting to the dog? Um, They would probably ditch the outfit, right? So the person would go ahead and, you know, ditch the clothing and stuff. But if you think about it, they're still going to have the whole sweatiness on right. their body. Yeah. Um, so as long as you're getting to the scene. Okay. And getting them. But if you think about it, okay, so they get to the scene. And if I don't know if they were able to find the outfit and if they haven't or whatever. I don't think so. But if they're able to smell any of anything on 
Missy herself. So if that person had sweat and if it did protect him, okay, if they're not able to find anything, but if they're able to find any co-mingling scent, you take the dog, you bring the dog in, you let the dog smell, and then you bring the dog around. If the dog goes back and they're bringing it back and they go back and they're immediately smelling a loved one or something like that. Yeah, that's not established science. But in like the case of Connie debate, in that situation, there was, and on um, Missy's case, we think that there's a possibility she had been shot, correct? Yes. Okay. So you would be dealing with GSR. And if you have that, then you would be having the dog look and smell specifically for possible gunshot residue. Mm. So, I, I mean, was... yeah, would it be 100%? No, but it could at least help you rule out possible suspects. Right, right. Yeah, and why was it two days later? Is it typically more obviously closer to the day that it happened, or is that is that normal? Well, and, and I honestly don't understand unless they. What I am taking from this, and again, this is what they may not have been aware because there was such, and I and I want to be as respectful to the victim as possible. But unless when they first saw her, they weren't aware that she had been shot. And then once an autopsy was being performed, they were like, oh my gosh, we found uh, a bullet. And so there's a possibility that there's casings. Now we need to bring a dog to go find possible bullet casings. That makes sense. That makes sense. And then addition, I think what you're saying is absolutely Right. the right answer but mm -hmm. there's also the fact that it was a separate entity you know it was the atf so yeah. maybe it takes a while to coordinate that but i really think that what you said is the correct I do answer too. it makes perfect sense yeah yeah well and i i mean and i've definitely followed your uh tiktok where you were talking about sharing with other that they need to call in other task force they they when a case gets cold enough why are they not outsourcing um why are they not bringing other resources in and i was kind of i i, I was watching your tiktoks i don't know if you saw my likes at like one o'clock this morning <laughs> um, i need to look and, at her and i i i'm so I was looking at that and I was sitting there and I was like, okay, if this was my case, who would I outsource to? Because the FBI had to go and they had to go and look at the other family members' stories who were supposedly out of town, correct? Right. Oh, yeah. So the they have outsourced oh, yeah. to them. Yeah. And the Texas, um, the Texas Rangers, who yeah, is our Texas state Rangers. police, yeah. but there has been reliable sources close to the investigation, close to the family that told me that they were dismissed very early on in the investigation by MPD. 
Um, they have asked, they had NYPD do some, uh, was it the cell tower dumps? And yeah. then they had Fort Worth, then Tarrant County DA's office uh, analyze the video. They had, they did outsource a lot in the beginning. I think maybe what we're hearing from people is frustrated that here we are almost eight years later and it seems like it's not happening anymore. Well, and they came to work the case in Midlothian with him. And for what we understand from the family is that they were having Texas Rangers answer the phones and they were like, hey, we're over here answering phones. We're not here to be secretaries we want to actually help with the case and then they sent them away they were like well bye we don't want you and that's just wow. weird to me because if you are not able to have the resources or the experience or maybe a combination of everything to solve you know to solve this case or move forward with it or whatever it is why would you not want to utilize your people at your fingertips that are there to help you with all that i don't get it well and midwithian yeah by the way, is a small town. They haven't had, it's a very quiet bedroom community. They don't do a lot of murder investigations. So maybe that alone would warrant, you know, getting some help, but it sounds like they did get in all fairness from everything the media said at the beginning, they were outsourcing quite a bit. And I think maybe those patients are talking about more in recent years. And you have been able to speak to investigators in the past a little bit we had a zoom meeting with them and that was when was that two years ago a year of 2021 or september 2022 yeah so it's been a little bit and and we're certainly not on their list of people that they update at all um in fact my understanding is they're pretty tight-lipped even with the family so we don't pretend to have any inside information of any kind, but the public is, seems to be under the impression that the investigation has stopped. And you you address this right at the beginning of the show is that's the impression that they're getting because police just went dead silent. And it just seems like there hasn't been any movement in years if you're just kind of on the outside looking at and, it. And here's part of that. I want to add this too. This is the part that I don't understand because the last uh, press conference or one of the police that, that did speak very briefly about the case in 2021, that was the last time they've ever spoke about it. He said, they believe that this case will be solved with the help of the public. My issue with that is, is if you want the public to help you, you need to be reaching out to them and talking to them and updating them or something, or if people are trying to turn in tips, you need to be responsive. And so if you're not getting that, what kind of message does that send? When's the last time you've reached out to them? Not long ago. I'm, I'm, I think I emailed them one time about a tip or something, and it took me a couple tries to get a response. And then a couple times before that, it's not often, but uh, when people reach out to us to turn in tips and they don't know who to go to, um, it takes us a little bit to get someone. We have What's referred to the anniversary tips? of her case. It's April 16th, 18th. 18th. Sorry. It's 2016 is when it happens. So this coming April 18th will be eight years. Okay. Huh. Okay. Um, well, always the best time to be able to get communication from them is on the anniversary. Mm -hmm. Um, 
We do have um, something planned on that day. What do you guys have planned? We're having a candlelight vigil, and it's going to be held at Heritage Park in Midlothian. Um, Heritage Park is where the our listeners all got together and donated for a brick to be placed there in her name. Um, and then... Uh, so we did it there because it's kind of a big place and, you know, can all just kind of come there and do the candlelight vigil, um, kind of a, a combo in one place to pay respects, you know, that her case hasn't been solved to continue getting coverage on her case. And also for people to come together, I think we're going to have somebody speak and maybe say a prayer and, you know, just kind of so cool. Yeah. Get it all together where the people know it's not been solved and all that. Right. Do you guys always invite them whenever you do stuff like that? We do. We do. We have okay. made the family aware of it. And then um, we, we, we'll we let police know. I think they've already been notified, actually. Oh. And then people always tag them in our posts. So it, it's kind yeah. of a double whammy. Yeah, we'll make yeah. sure and invite them. Yeah. That was a good idea you had, though, Renee. That would have never crossed my mind. Yeah. Just try to think of things. I'll shoot you an email as to how I word my invites okay yeah that's great my law enforcement buddies mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um i would always have a specific way um to let them know how it benefits them um that's what kind of got me is um and you'll hear this on krista's case um but when we planned for this last time with Krista, uh, myself with one of our local news stations, uh, Hannah King is a local newscaster, and we had planned to do for the 34th anniversary of Krista's case, uh, we had gone back to her house, we were in her neighborhood, we were knocking on doors, and you know, we were planning on doing a really big news conference and um, for the anniversary. And we were in the neighborhood actually at the time. And I had really been kicking up a ruckus with our local police. I had been tagging them a lot. I had dyed my hair pink actually right before that. And I had been very, 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 very vocal leading up to that moment. And when we were out in front of the home where she had been murdered, talking and doing an interview with all the news cameras and stuff, talking um, prior to us putting stuff out there, is when we got the call from the police letting us, them know, letting us know that they were ready to announce that they had and it was at they said they wanted to wait though until the anniversary so a lot of times police will might have the answers because we found out they had known since june wow who had killed her but they wanted to wait for her anniversary before they put the information out there That's wow interesting. i that love that interesting yeah so it's a little frustrating they knew all that time <laughs> Yeah, waited, but, but sometimes they get a little more tight-lipped if they have more information yeah, yeah. that that's encouraging right right yeah. so we yeah so trying to give you something positive <laughs> yeah. you have this they has have been, been great very quiet <laughs> yeah but, <like> little... <laughs> that's funny but yeah i think you know you guys have 
really, I mean, you guys have laid a lot of great groundwork. And one of the biggest things is you're keeping everyone talking about Missy. You're, and I love the fact of how you share videos of her working out. It's more than talking about the crime. You're talking about Missy. Right. And yeah, she, that was that's what I love. Yeah. Besides her family, working out was her passion. And unfortunately, her life was taken while she was just getting ready to lead her class, you know, and people that depended on her and loved her. And, you know, as you can imagine, that entire Camp Gladiator community was just crushed after she was killed because she really was such a good leader. Mm -hmm. She was. Yeah. She was such a, and I've probably told this, this story a dozen times, if not more, but she was such a humble person because I worked with uh, her. We, we worked for a company called Vault Denim and we sold jeans. And so the company would send the jeans to you and then you would go to people's houses and have like jeans parties, kind of like Tupperware parties. And you had these big, huge duffel bags filled with jeans. Well, those things were heavy. Oh, I can imagine. So every time we, I would go to her house to either pick up or drop off, she would go over there and pick them bags up like they were just, you know, bags <laughs> of chips. Oh, or wow. And, and I would always go like, man, you make that look so easy. And she was always so humble. She'd be like, oh, girl, you know, you should, you know, do this or that or whatever. She was just so nice. She always tried to encourage me not to make me feel, you know, like. Like you were out of shape. Yeah, compared to her. Yeah. yeah. She was always like, no, no, no. And she would even show me pictures. This is me before I started working out. I'm like, oh, that's so encouraging. Well, I'll quote Detective Christine Menina. She's yeah. got some guns on her. That's yes, what she said. That's right. <laughs> she, oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, and her smile is just the best. It really was. I yeah. love her smile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was a pretty woman. Really, sure. really, really devastating. And um, well, thank you so much for being on. This was an amazing oh, episode. Yeah, awesome. No, I, I love it. And I love, I cannot say enough about what you guys are doing. You guys are just keep going. Don't, I know it gets frustrating. I know sometimes it feels like you're just, you're screaming at a wall, but you're doing amazing. And don't lose hope. Just sometimes the police, if they get really quiet, if they become really close-lipped, sometimes it's because they have something good. And Ooh. remember, yeah. And remember, they get one shot to prosecute mm -hmm. this person. Yeah. They get one shot at it. And they have to make sure they have everything. Right. So yeah, that's right. I wish they would reach out to us and let us know how we could help them because we would do it in a New York Absolutely. minute. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Marianne, tell us a little bit about how our listeners can find your podcast. Cause I know like us, they're going to want to learn more about Krista's case right? and everything else that you're doing. Yeah. So I am at the social detective. You can find us anywhere. You stream podcasts on Apple. I don't know if Google is still a thing. Um, you can find me on Spotify. I am very fluent with TikTok now. Um, some of the younger kids with podcasts taught me how to do that. <laughs> um, nice. And you can also see all my dogs. I like to portray, I, I have I have six pets and then my cadaver dogs. That's awesome. Um, so you can see a lot of us doing a lot of that crazy stuff. Um, you can also find me on X. I still call it Twitter. I don't care. Right. Yeah. Um, you can also find us on threads and what's Instagram? the other 
Instagram. Yes. Awesome. I'm, I'm very follow- active on well, all be, of those. We're be following you and we hope to get to talk to you again in the future. This has been amazing. I know our listeners are going to absolutely love this episode. You've been fantastic. I do have one follow-up question that just popped in my head. And um, okay, so cadaver dogs at this point in time with the Missy Beavers case, they apparently don't have the outfit anymore. They may or may not have something that the killer left behind, very vague information, maybe a tool or something. We're unclear on all that. At this point, almost eight years later, is there anything that the dogs could do? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, we've our, our dogs have been able to find something up to 30 years. Oh, OK. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah no. And I oh. have told people uh, we're mobile. Um, I have the, since retired, um, but I still go out. I am open. I'm a clabber. Um, we are actually going to St. Louis with Generation Y podcast on a missing persons case here coming up. Um, but no, my dogs, we, we will pack up, we go, we help, we do whatever is needed, um, completely pro bono. Um, we are always willing to help and do whatever we can. So amazing. And I just wanted to let people know, we, I actually have a new venture that's getting ready to start. Um, it's called Insinuation. It's a docu-series that I am going to be a part of with another podcaster, Deb, from Dying to be Found. Um, it's going to be taking up the cause um, of cases uh, for those um, with the Innocence Project. But our first case is that of Zoe Felix. She was a five-year-old whose mother kicked her out of the house in Topeka, Kansas. And so she had to go live in a homeless camp. And she ended up being raped and murdered. Did you say Um, five-year-old? Five years old. How do you kick your child out at five? Okay, go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) And yeah, and actually the Department of Children's and Families knew about this. Neighbors had been calling about this. Um, And we actually have the Adrian Jones Law here in Kansas. And this still happened, even with all the laws protecting children. And we actually, um, yeah, uh, Deb and I have been working on this case. We are trying to enact stronger change. And this little girl was brutally raped and murdered outside of a homeless camp. Wow. And this mother is has no charges brought against her. Oh my just oh. against the homeless man who committed the crime, but nothing against the mother. That is unbelievable. So, we are, uh, that docu-series is getting released in March and we'll have more information about that. All right. Hi, we cannot wait to keep in touch with you and keep an eye on that project as well. That's yeah. And I'm excited to see, I know this case is going to get solved and I know it's going to be due to the resources and things you guys are putting out there. Oh, that's thank so sweet. you. Marianne, thank you. We thank can't you wait so to talk to you again soon. And thank you. Thank you for spending your time with us today. We're All really- right. Well, thank you. This was fun. Thank you. We'll we'll link your show when we in the show notes and everything. So we'll look forward to staying in touch. Thank you, right. Marianne. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.